You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. It's been a long time since we have seen you guys, so thank you so much for hanging out uh, and joining us on this wonderful March 4th, which is, I will say, uh like DM's Day or something? Dungeon uh, Dungeon Day. Goodman Games oh, is celebrating Dungeon Day. I don't know if Gary Gygax was, if this is his birthday, but they, I was oh, like, where did this holiday sure. come from? But they were calling it Dungeon Day in honor of Gary Gygax. So. The only thing I know my head was yesterday, our company told us it was um, uh, Appreciation of Worker Day or something similar okay. to that. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, oh. great. Oh, it's his, it's his, uh, it's his no longer with us day is, is March 4th. So he passed away on uh, March 4th, 2008. But, uh, yeah, so it's Gary, Gary, uh, not Gary Gygax day. It's dungeon day. But, uh, with that, I will say Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, if you go to Goodman Games website, they're giving away a bunch of 5e, uh, well, not a bunch, like three PDFs, uh, that you can get. It's pretty cool. So I picked them up today. Um, they are... Fifth edition, Ambush at Dragon's Cove, the Three Wizard Conundrum for fifth edition, and the Zero Level Funnel for DCC, Dun- Danger in the Air. And these are all like free RPG day supplements that they gave out in the past. But I mean, it's a free PDF. Like, you might as well pick it up. Say hi. Free's good, and they make good stuff. So, yeah. Um, oh, everything has happened. Uh, first of all, well, how are yeah. you? Because we, we, I mean, there, the Midwest was blanketed with snow. So are, are you surviving? Are your dogs okay? That's the big important part. Yes, yes. The puppies survived. They were distraught. The first couple of days were at a different place, but then kind of started to figure it out. Yeah, we had an ice storm. And we, you know, we're, we're a Michigan group. We understand snow and yeah. we work with that. No big deal. We can handle all that. But an ice storm came through that the ice was heavy enough it just started taking all the trees down like not just a few like all the trees and so everything gets smashed down it's like hundreds of thousands of people without power and i'm sure it happens in other places of the country too so i do you know i feel for you that has had this happen like we heard about texas i think it was last winter when they got their big ice storm took everything yeah and we were out yeah so we went out five days of power had to uh try to find places where we could stay that was warm couldn't really work. Uh, I was still sick. <laughs> from yeah, the, you got the oh. week before. I actually got COVID uh, two weeks or a week before that, and then last week I was still sick. And I tested this Wednesday of this week, and I no longer have COVID. So I have survived it, made it through it, and uh, am on the other side of it. So good. that's good. My wife didn't get it. She stayed in the house. Um, she's. We all had our vaccines and stuff, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. Wasn't life threatening, but definitely wasn't fun either wouldn't want to wish it upon anybody. and then to have no electricity and you can't just like binge netflix yeah. you're like i hate this yeah, yeah. yeah. um well, just the stress of it too it oh it's yeah. just trying to think about what we're going to do if we're not going to have power for 10 days in 20 degree weather or less yeah you know it's just like what do you do where do you go we got to work we work from home we need internet we need warmth I need a place that I can't make other people sick because the, the the first thing one of the people had said from my company was like, oh, you could go to Starbucks or something. I'm like, no, I had COVID six days ago. I can't just yeah. go sit in Starbucks and hang out. So. I wouldn't want to work at it. Or I oh, shouldn't. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't. Boy, I remember so. uh, I lived in Spokane uh, in college and mm-hmm. Spokane, Washington, and they always talked about this like crazy ice storm. And it did the same thing. The entire city was without electricity for, like, weeks because of this ice storm. Mm -hmm. And it got so cold, apparently, that the water in the trees, like, in the the tree veins, froze. And then the trees would just snap like a shotgun went off. And that was what the big – that was the biggest problem with the power outage because they would fix one power line and then a tree would just explode and destroy another power line. And it was like – that, and I was yeah. like, that can happen? And it's like, oh, apparently, you know. So if anything gets yeah, cold Wednesday enough. Wednesday <laughs> night, I'm laying in bed. We're surrounded by trees. And all you're hearing is crack, crack, oh. smash. And you feel the ground pounding. You're just waiting for one to, to hit the yeah, roof. Hit and the none house. of them hit my roof. But we drove by lots of places where big limbs smash cars into pancakes. You know, oh. it was like. 
there's lots of regular limbs and stuff down, but some people got hit really hard. So I feel for all them, you know, it's a weather can sometimes get you. It always reminds us that mother nature rules all when, when she wants to yeah. <laughs> be prepared. We're thinking about getting a, a generator since we work from home. We need yeah. power. We can't just leave. We're thinking about doing a, like a generac generator kind of thing to, to power us for the next one. So. And it doesn't happen often, so no. You know, but you, when it does happen, it. it's it's inconvenient. It's so. a pain. <laughs> um, that was your weather. But report, gaming, but yeah. I yeah, want to talk about cool gaming stuff. And I was able to read Twitter or at least look at stuff while I wasn't sleeping and in bed. And was like, yeah. Oh, look at this game coming out. And, oh, look at these announcements. So I'm yeah. excited to see all the stuff that we got to not talk about yet, but get to talk about now. Yeah, and and maybe we can talk about, like, some Kickstarters and stuff, too. Uh, toward, mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's not on our list, but, like, there's there's so much going on. I feel like... Uh, March like, Kims is coming in with a bang, yeah. Well, everyone... I think a lot of people had Kickstarters planned because you don't just, like, throw one together in not even a month. I think people plan this out, like, years in advance yeah. kind of a thing. But uh, with 5e going into Creative Commons... All of a sudden, I think it felt safe. So, like, February and March, it was like, here's every Kickstarter that we were working on. We're going to get this out kind of a thing. And and then people are developing new systems and stuff. But And then speaking of yeah, new systems, Cobalt Press Black Flag had their uh, playtest mm -hmm. package. And this was a little controversial because uh, I think a, a lot of people, you know, they said, Cobalt Press said they were working on this since, uh, well, for six months, like July of last year. And then when the playtest package came out, it looked a lot like 5e, but reworded. Um, and I think uh, I was talking to some other people, and, and there were also some other problems. Like, there were some spelling errors in the playtest packet, and so people were just kind of mm -hmm. like, really? You've been working on this for six months kind of a thing? But I think what they they shifted a lot in the last coming weeks, like in January during the OGL crisis... Um, and now this is really the best foot forward. And they put a uh, on their website, this is Cobalt Press Project Black Flag, on their website they were saying, um, you know, 5e, now that Wizards of the Coast is making uh, one D&D, &D, they're eventually going to phase out those older books. Like, they're not going to print the 5e player's handbook anymore. And so this is, Cobalt Press is really, this is their answer to preserving all of that. So they want to build a player's handbook that's compatible with their their core fantasy RPG going forward, as well as all of the stuff that was going backwards. And I know Wizards of the Coast wants to do the same thing, but the idea is that uh, if I don't have a player's handbook, I can still play 5e D&D, and that's kind of what they're building. So I thought, mm -hmm. that makes mm -hmm. sense. And um, it was a playtest. I think they were just trying to get some stuff out. One of the big things about it that I liked was separating uh, lineage and heritage, they call it. And heritage is where you grew up. It's the community you were a part of. And lineage is more of the biological, like, I, I am a dwarf. I was, I, I am a dwarf or I am an elf kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing is, is like your lineage could be I'm human. But my heritage is I was raised by fire dwarves. So because of that, I have like an innate resistance to fire and I speak dwarvish. And, I, you know, it has a lot of implications. And I know you like to tinker and mix and match stuff. So now it's even it's kind of <laughs> cool where it's like, OK, I could be an elf, but I was raised by this thing. And so I have an ice whatever. But I also have a, a cantrip because of innate abilities or something like that. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And it lets us. It lets us uh, separate those pieces and rearrange them how we like, which is a lot of fun for some players, myself included. So, yeah, it, it also reminds me of the sh the switch. There was a switch back in, I don't know if it was late '80s or '90s, where almost all the RPGs out were class based, and that meant what that really meant was package based, right? They gave you a package of things, and then you could play that package to minimize the amount of options players had because they felt like the game could be too complicated if you said yeah here pick your ability from a list of a thousand abilities yes. here we'll give you packages and they called them classes and they called them races and stuff and it basically but then what happens is there's so many of those there are some companies that decide you go you know what let's go class list based let's go just you can do anything you want. You can pick any skill you want. You can pick any ability you want. You get points at the beginning of your character creation. You just spend points. So you basically build 
your own unique package, right? And I feel like, I wonder if we're back into that as a cycle to say, we've dominated for the last 10 years, 5e, Pathfinder, OSR has all been big class-based role-playing systems, right? They're all package-based. Here's the thing, you play it, you can add some options, but we, we give you a list. And now I wonder if we're gonna start seeing the classless-based systems, because we already seen lots of people talking about the new games they're building. You were even looking at it with Modular D6, where you could be like, let's let them I don't choose want classes, what things yeah. they can do. Yeah, I want you to build your own, because I think, again, the community's matured enough that they're ready for the complexity, because we've had a 10-year span of people learning and understanding the game and now that they're ready for more they're ready for more options and it might go it'll probably do another cycle at some point and go back like where it's oh it's too complicated nobody likes any of this and we'll go back to like a class-based system that people can just oh i'll just be a fighter and that's good and i may understand it and i can go so i just wonder if that's where we're at because it feels like everybody wants to add options lots yeah like feats and stuff i agree um no i i think that's exactly on the nose is that uh i as you play fifth edition or as you play any rpg that has like i'm a warlock you start to realize Mm -hmm. that you're you know i don't necessarily like the warlockness of it but i like Mm -hmm. casting spells and having a cool sword or something so then you try another class or you're like how could i make a druid more of a melee mage or you know Um, How can I multi-class? Or (laughs) even people that are like, I really like healing, um, but I and I play a cleric, but now I'm going to play a druid and I'm going to heal, or now I'm going to play this weird monk that heals, you know. And so uh, I think people realize that they they have a specific style of play that that isn't necessarily tied to uh, being a wizard or being a fighter. Mm -hmm. It's like I I like to play the game kind of like this, and I gravitate towards. Uh, high charisma uh, characters and so like I really like the bard but I've also played um, other characters like my wizards and stuff are also very like charismatic because I kind of like that and it's not necessarily that I want to play a bard every time it's that I really mm-hmm. like the social side of this game and so the th- the cool thing about classless is that you build that however you want um, yeah. Now, but I have a question for you though I, I don't think classless games ever really catch on because you can't walk up to someone and say, oh, well, yeah. you should use Modular D6. It's not out. It's just a thing I'm working on. But, like, you say, oh, you play Modular D6. What do you play? Uh, well, you know, I, I took this and I took, you know, it's so much easier to be like, oh, I did a Conjuration so Wizard. Right. Aren't those fun? I love Conjuration Wizards. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's so cool. I was a Beastmaster. That's awesome. I love pet classes. Uh, you don't get that yeah. with a because you don't have that title of like oh yeah i play this and and you definitely could add it like i think i think with modular d6 it would be cool to say here are the modules i would pick to play an elf wizard and present that as like a package and then at the back be like hack it till you want to do whatever you want um yeah and also balance is a hard thing to do when you start doing things like typically (laughs) have done it and stuck with it or like your cyberpunks and your futuristic games because they do like to lean towards anybody can do anything so pick skills learn skills at new levels and that kind of stuff but you're right because if you say what are you playing in cyberpunk you're not so much playing maybe you could be describe it as a class but you're just like oh we're just like hacker mercenaries and i can yeah. do this cool driving thing and i have a hacker deck and i can do this thing and anything and i think you're right and i don't think those rpgs ever are as popular as the class systems just like nothing's as popular as world of warcraft which is a class-based mmo and there has been tons of classless mmos and they never gain the uh, because I feel like I don't know, like you said, you can't describe it in a There's way a that gets people excited. Between yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we're yeah. we're both uh, like. I don't know, druids. Like, there's a but camaraderie. Player, about there, that. There's definitely a group of players that are hungry to tweak and find combinations and synergies of items that form a cool, cohesive idea of a character. Like, you know, it's like if I pick this thing with the sword and I pick this thing that lets me light things on fire, objects on fire, I put those two things together and now I'm a fire sword wielding cool dude. And this is a a template for like, you know, you know, uh, I don't know, a crusader, a fire crusader or yeah. something or, you know, whatever. 
you get into it because you're like, I could do that and I could add these things in and I could make that happen. And uh, we're always striving for that. But the ones that seem to be more popular are the easy ones where you say, what do you want to play? Here's 12 classes. Barbarian sounds cool. Let's do barbarian (laughs) or whatever. No, and I think there's a reason we have a word like the word gish. It's like, I want to be like a sword magey person because we've never had that class. But that's something people have always wanted to play to the point where they have made it a word. Uh, Like it's it really (laughs) is. It's like if I say, oh, yeah, I like playing gish classes. You're like, oh, then you like this and this and this. You like warlock, but not a warlock that casts like eldritch blast you like a warlock that has a sword that attacks and stuff and i think sometimes they they tack on with the class-based systems some type of counter they kind of almost do like a rock paper scissors kind of thing sometimes so you feel like well i want to play a mage but why do i have to be a glass cannon that doesn't why can't i be strong and powerful and shielded Mm -hmm. and armored too you're like no 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 the way the wizard's the big damage but low armor squishy guy but you want you want armor and stuff. Well, then you want to be this. I'm like, well, no, I want to throw lightning bolts, but I don't want to be squishy. I want to be, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I've always. It's, Sorry, I think about that transmutation dwarven wizard, where it's like I don't really yeah. want spells that do damage, but I want to have all these spells that transmute. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. then you're just not effective in the game, and I don't want you to play with us. Kind of a thing is what it feels like. So. You're not optimal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, no, we need a that tank. Happens. A damage dealer. Yep. And, uh, yeah. and that's <laughs> another dealer. thing. Video games have given us that uh, we need these, you know. I, I would that's still true. love to, like, we're we're playing through Planescape right now on my Thursday game with Ted and Lex and LB and Rachel. And we don't have a healer. Like, Rachel's a, uh, I think she has three levels in Bard and the rest is Barbarian. So she's a Bardbarian. We, we always joke. So oh, she man. has, like, cure wounds, like, once. But, you know, we don't not while she's raging she can't cast spells so it's it's been interesting but like we're really we're making it work as long as you focus on kind of like making it work in the story you want to tell um i don't know like but i I like classless systems but i do think that they're flawed in that sense where they'll never catch on because i can never tell somebody like i'm a rat hacker in starfinder and there, and somebody would know what that is, you know. It's like, oh, I took four points of this and three points of that, and you know, it's kind of yeah. interesting. And Five E does something really good about letting you describe, or the culture of our community now lets you describe the look of your abilities. They've kind of taken a step back from saying your lightning bolt has to look like this or your spell has. Take your artificer for example. You have great. Um, ability to be creative on how the things you're doing look. Yeah. So you could say I'm I'm doing a magic missile, but really it's me pulling a a wooden pistol out of my pocket and it shoots the magic missile and it looks like this yeah. and that. And so we can get to some of those features that we want and we can make something be the piece that we need so that we don't necessarily have to have that. We can make it kind of be the class we want it to be by changing the flavor or the look of the thing, but the mechanics stay the same. And I think yeah. 5e's embraced that, and I think that's been a really good change. And why it's been super popular, because you can describe your fireball one way, and I can describe my fireball one way. Or, you know, flurry of blows. If we had two monks, our flurry of blows could be very different just by our concept, but our mechanics stay the same. And the mm-hmm. DM can just run the mechanics. So I think that's a, a strength of it. No, and I think that's the strength of just role-playing games in general, is people, like, reflavoring. So it's my favorite spell with my Artificer is Tasha's Caustic Brew. And I always flag that I'm going to – and it's a stream of acid is all it is. But I always flag it as I, like, pull out a big green cylinder and I put this tube on top of my gun and then I, like, spray acid everywhere. And it's like, well, it's a spell, but it's, like – that's way cooler than me being like, I cast a wizard spell because I'm not a wizard. I'm a cool artificer. Um, I'm excited for project black flag. I think it'll be a a huge pillar for the community to, Mm -hmm. uh, although it's not this new, wonderful game. That's going to solve all of our problems. um, 5e is good. And the fact that this will be like solidified, much like how pathfinder solidified 3.5, into going forward you could always play pathfinder kind of a thing um i think this is Mm -hmm. a a similar thing and i like that and it will be reverse compatible with all of kobold press's stuff as well as D stuff so lots of adventures out there to play still and i think it's important that we had we might have had expectations 
when we only had heard the announcement without the details of what it might be, it, they're making a whole new game and they're going to do this and everybody's going to join into it. And so we might have all got a little bit ahead of ourselves. So just, you know, to understand exactly what they were doing, because I do think many were thinking it was a different when I read it and I got the first packet that first time I was like, boy, this is basically 5e. We're not getting too much new here. And that's not how they had positioned it originally on that first announcement but i'm okay with them you know shifting and moving with the landscape where it is now adjusting to what is possible and whatnot like if if ogl would have went in place and they actually did it then maybe we would have gotten something different but yeah. now that it opened up they they transitioned with that and that's fine too i think we just all you know remember just give them the chance to put out and take a look at what's actually released you know, be careful about having expectations before you see something that's in your hands or in front of you. Because sometimes we just build it up to a point that they can't even meet that. And it's not their fault. It's just like, it's a, just a hired expectation thing. So, No, it's a good point. Um, when this when this was announced, and even Matt Colville's, uh, we haven't seen anything really about his game that he's working on. But I think a lot of people are like, this is going to fix everything. It's going to be amazing. And I was like, no, I, I, and, and when I say fix everything, the problems I have are very different than the problems Lucian have. And so it, it Mm -hmm. literally can't fix everything. Um, But from a business decision, having your new game be work with all of the existing monster manuals you've built and things like that, like that makes a lot more sense. So I I agree, and I think that's cool. Also, their their direction with the playtest, I think, is more like, here's what we're working on, and then fine-tuning it, whereas now we're going to shift into Wizards of the Coast D&D 1 playtest, where I feel like they're, they're ramping a small change to 11 to see if everybody hates it or likes it. And then they come back like that. And so case in point, the Druid and the Paladin came out, and the Paladin, they, uh, I hate... I hate saying they've nerfed this because you can play however you want, but they nerfed smite. So you you can't smite more than once per round, I think. So before, if I had multi-attack and action surge and all this other stuff, I could smite like so many times and you could just end up doing like 140 radiant Super damage yeah. uh, if you landed all of these hits, if you critted, if you things like that. And it was just like, ah, and... Is, there's a part of me that says, that's fun, but there's another part of me that read this, and I don't play Paladins, so I don't really know, but as a Dungeon Master, I'm like, well, that sounds great. Like, the fact that they're limited in this aspect, rather than just, like, destroying my big bad guy in one hit, like, I don't like that at all, you know? So this this made more sense to me, and then allowed them to have more versatility with spells and other abilities, rather than, I can't cast any spells, because I need to use those for spite you know Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and then the other side was they changed the druid wild shape and i was thinking about this a lot where wild shape really comes in two ideas one of them is utility where we're we're a party and they're like man i wish we could see what's up in that window oh i'll turn into a raven and fly up and get a look in that window and then i'll come back down and tell you Um, Because I'm a druid, and that's a cool druid thing to do. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. I like that. Uh, The other one is I want to turn into a bear and fight. And Mm -hmm. I think from their perspective, the idea was really focus on combat with the druid. And so they got rid of, here's all of these different options of animals, and we'll just make it that you transform into uh, like a, a base land animal, a base water animal, and a base flying animal. And I see a lot of people being upset because they're like, I want to be able to turn into a snake and a bear. And now it really looks like I can turn into a kind of bear. Like we could flavor that bear as a wolf, as an owlbear, but it's still a big furry mammal. And it's not something that has like a cool grapple or a bite or a poison attack, you know? Uh, yeah. What What were your thoughts about these two things? Or did you get a chance least, to read it? I, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, and I've only read them briefly because they were two classes I have not played extensively. While I like them, and I've always read and always thought about playing these, but they're not ones that have been in my um, all the games I've played. So I wasn't picking out the differences like somebody who's been playing their class for you know, the last year in a campaign and then it looks at this and goes, wait a minute, that's way different than my class, you know? So I wasn't picking out those differences, but I do think 
Druid was an interesting one because have you had a lot of druids in your games from a dungeon master standpoint? Yeah, I've I've they ran druids a lot a of few over- times. Yeah, setting up maybe tokens, setting up uh, characters, and then like they're you know they're always going through the list for beasts on what they're going to do and which one they're going to be, and it did add a lot of overhead because you just had so many options. And I think it was cool, and that's why players would like it and do it. But it also added a lot, too, because I could see them trying to condense that a little bit. But the people that played that and loved those options, I, I'm sure would hate it. <laughs> well, so it's and... almost like they need one that's a druid that specializes in changing into all the different animals. And then maybe you have a druid that's limited, but that's because they specialize in something else like combat or healing or or whatever. They're not the kind of like you have the Beastmaster Ranger you know, they, they specialize in the pet-based kind of ranger versus the ranger that specializes in just the sharpshooter or the sniper type or the ranger that um, is the survival close-up fighter stealthy person scout, you know. Mm-hmm. I think Druid may, they you may have several flavors of that in the Druid, but... I, I watched I a, a couple of ideas that people had where they were saying, I think you should just get rid of the Druid class entirely, which they will never do. But the more I was oh, thinking I like about this is... A wild-shaped druid, or just like druid in general, should really be a subclass of cleric. Like, rather than worshipping a god, I worship nature, and I'm one with nature. And then I have, like, more nature spells, and I can use my channel divinity to turn into an animal for a brief amount of time. Like, I was thinking about that, and I was like, that that's so smart. Why why don't they? They won't do that because it's like a core class for them, for Wizards of the Coast, so they won't get rid of it. But the fact that yeah. every druid can wild shape in some way and then you have a wild shape specialized subclass of a druid, it's it's difficult to to balance it between utility and combat. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. have a good answer, you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading through this, I think they chose the extreme of, like, you know, utility is dead. You're basically, this is for combat 100%. Uh, and we're going to balance it around combat to kind of see what people will like. So I, I think they'll get the feedback they're looking for. But going back to what you were saying where we were looking at uh, Black Flag and thinking, oh, this is going to solve all of our problems before we actually read it. This is another instance where expectations are, you know, they're nerfing. I can't believe they're doing this. Blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of like. I I don't know. Like they're they're not. They're they're going to an extreme to see how we're going to react, you know. And so mm-hmm. that is what is happening. Uh yeah. when I've ran druids, we actually agreed on treating it kind of like uh wizards learning new spells. So when you level, you get to pick one animal, preferably an animal that we've seen, that we've experienced that you could then be like, "Okay, I can shape change into that." But if you want to shape change into another animal, you would have to go find that animal, study it for a couple hours, like in nature, and then you would be able to transform. So it really limited, like, like, I can only turn into these, like, three or four animals, which many druids, I feel, gravitate towards that already. They're like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a wolf druid, or I'm a spider druid. I'm going to turn into a giant spider all the time, or I'm going to turn into a giant frog all the time. So I liked that aspect of it, uh... And I, I think that's something I would want to keep because it is intimidating to a new player to be like, here's, you know, every animal, like I did a search, everything that CR this, you can turn into. That's a lot. And it's like, and then half of them, you're like, well, I don't think I want to be a weasel. And you throw it out there, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Until they have some special ability that seems kind of cool. And you're like, exactly. Oh, wait, yeah. They can do what? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do agree. I, <laughs> I think they need to add special abilities because the fact that I could like shape change into this land mam- animal, but and it can look like a spider, but my spider doesn't have web walk is kind of like, right. oh, well, that's not I don't know. And, and you know, it's their own fault for putting in all of these different uh, types of animals that are special, you know spiders have spider climb well i want to turn into a spider so i can spider climb well you can't because you're kind of like a weird bear spider and we don't allow that so yep and on the paladin thing every game i played with where there's a paladin and they do exactly what they can do now in the back of my mind i've always thought 
man, that's OP. Nobody else is doing that at the table. And they're just landed smite after smite and damage is coming from craziness. And it's like, man, I wish I could do that with my character. <laughs> <laughs> so I could kind of see them saying, is the community ready to pull the reins back on the Paladin? Maybe if there's enough of an upcry, okay, community's not ready to pull the reins back on the Paladin. If it's not much of an outcry, then maybe the community is like, you know, they are kind of throwing some craziness out in a round. Some of the, the burst damage that they can do in a single round is is gotten exceptional compared to everybody else that happens to be sitting at the table with yeah. their characters. Well, and I will say that they they put the Paladin in the Priest group, which they've divided these groups up. That's, and the Priest yeah. group is someone who focuses on healing, utility, and defense. And Smite is antithetical to healing, <laughs> utility, and defense. That is straight up um, utility. That is straight up destruction. You know, doing lots of damage. So I, I don't know. I like this change, but I know a lot of people are upset about it. And I think what they should do with the smites is they should play around with the different smites, and they do this a bit. Give different conditions or help control the flow of battle versus. Yeah big damage yeah right blind them you have one that puts people in place you have one that fears them you have one that lowers ac or something you have one that marks them so they're easier to hit or you you know all these things you could do with your smite that don't have to be roll more damage dice because then your damage dealers want to be the class that can roll the most damage dice Mm -hmm. and then they're not really like you said the healer protector of the party they're the damage dealer of the party. <laughs> and maybe that that's point. the reason people are upset because people that want to deal damage have gravitated towards the Paladin because of how it was designed. And mm-hmm. those people would actually be happier playing a glass cannon wizard or playing, a, 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 I don't know, some kind of like some other high damage, like a barbarian or a fighter or something. Um, it's just that they've always gravitated towards it. So in their mind, they're like, I like paladins because they feel paladins are like this, but I've never felt that a paladin should be the one that's doing more damage than the wizard. But you know, so it's, it's a matter of perspective. It'll happen. And that's why we should all go to classless systems and we can build the character (laughs) we want to build. Yes. I love it. Um, have you heard of, uh, Dolmenwood? I wanted to ask, uh, ask you about that. No. So, uh, Dolmenwood is the old school essentials um, campaign setting, and oh. it has been released slowly over zines. And the zine is called Wormskin, and I have Wormskin issues one through nine. I don't know if there's any more, but they're just little printed zines. You can get PDFs of them, and they usually come with an adventure and uh, something to do with this forest called Dolmenwood, and it's a very large forest. Um, well, uh, is I think it's Gavin um, who is making Necrotic known. Uh, I forget his... Uh, I'm sorry, Gavin, if it is you. I think it is Gavin. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, he has been working on Dolmenwood with a bunch of other people. And uh, Necrotic Gnome put out Old School Essentials. And so a lot of people after the OGL debacle, they're like, what's the future of Old School Essentials? And he said, you know, Old School Essentials is done. I think like we did it. We're not going to revise it anymore. We're not going to do this. It will. You'll still be able to buy it. But the future of Necrotic Gnomes publishing is going to be this Dolmenwood setting. And you can use Old School Essentials, but what they're really going to do is they're going to put the Old School Essential rules into Dolmenwood so it's its own self-contained game. Um, and a lot of people are are feel weird about this, I guess. I don't know why. They, I guess everybody has opinions about everything. Um, but I, but mainly triggered by Wizards of the Coast short-lived plot to revoke the OGL, they're going to uh, put all of the OSE gameplay modified a little bit for Dolmenwood, and then when you buy Dolmenwood, it will have like the core game and the setting, um, a lot of the stuff that they kind of hashed out in these worm skin zines that they came out with. But I'm very excited about it. Um, and I think it'll be really cool because they, he says in an article, he's like, I don't think we need to revise old school essentials ever again because it's already a revision of BX D&D. Like it's done. It's good. It's out there. Go buy it if you want it, you know? And I like old school mm-hmm. essentials. I think it, 
I guess I don't consider DCC a retro clone, even though it really is. But I I like how big their books are. Yeah. They're just they just, just give you lots nice of little content. Book. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so They're that's not shy about page count. That's a cool thing about uh, Old School Essentials. You should check it out. It's a good one. Very cool. And Dolmenwood will be kickstarted at some time in the future. And it, uh, th- if it's going to be anything like the the Wormskin zines, and there's an adventure, I forget the name of it, that was really popular, but uh, it's quality stuff. So nice Very forest cool. hex crawl to start your game in. Uh, MCDM, have you been following the playtest? With their flea mortals. Yep. Yep. I love the flea mortals. I love the packets they're putting out. Um, this packet had a lot of... This was packet six, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's like this one had a lot of monsters' names you would recognize, but they're just doing a good job of finding different ways or do- finding unique ways to use things you've already heard of or you already might have had an image in your head of what they might be, but never really use them too much or are going to use them in a different way. And I love that that's kind of the route they've gone with their monster book is, yeah, you you have goblins and you've heard of goblins, but here's our version of goblins and let's see if you like these these types of goblins and if you like these types of kobolds and you like these types of things. And then they put out some that, you know, are similar but named different because obviously back when, you know, the OGL piece of it was they couldn't use specific creature names. I was like Mind Flayer was probably one they couldn't use, but they had something that was a similar yeah, beholder. creature. Yeah, you couldn't use yeah. Beholder, but now I think yeah. Beholder's in the SRB. I think everything's so, in now, yeah. yeah, at this point. It's like crazy. So now they can use anything, and they can name it that way. But MCDM, Matt Colville, has gathered together a awesomely creative team, and he's great at focusing them into finding cool and new ways to use something you might recognize or, or you might have an understanding of already. And I just love that. He just comes at it from a very interesting way. It's like, I mean, me and you, since we've seen his videos, can watch every one of his videos, every single minute of it, not skip any of it, and just listen to him talk on a subject. Listen to him talk about playing a card game for an hour and think, I want more. You know, and So I just love, he, he put the video out. And he talked a little bit about it and the stuff that's coming out in this and their Arcadia is top notch. It's like some of the best Zine quality stuff since Dragon and Dungeon magazines have come out. Um, Flea Mortals is great. The two expansions for, you know, playing D&D 5e is awesome. And, you know, he put a video out this week talking about their new game. And I'm just excited for every single thing they do. It's just so good. I'm such a fan. Matt's... Matt's fun to listen to, especially about movies. I, I, I always, I love yeah. movies and he loves movies. And so it's really interesting to listen to him. But um, mm-hmm. I feel bad. I missed the play, packet five. So when I went looking for this, I was like, oh, I, there's packet five and six. So I actually dug through both of those. And I, I was pleasantly surprised that they came with little mini adventures to really like, here's how we anticipate you utilizing some of these monsters, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of playtest stuff. I don't think Cobalt Press did that. I think they were just like, here's monster stats, test. And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that it, he really is kind of focusing on utility. Like, how yeah, do you use monsters as opposed modes. to, here's monsters. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And we'll see how this book comes out. Uh, again, they're they're working on it, obviously. But uh, art looks great, things like that. And, um, and I'm always curious and excited for what happens with... Uh, mcdm because they're just making cool stuff you know and that's what he wants to do he wants to make cool stuff (laughs) Uh, i talked about this uh but today is dungeon day go to goodman games you can get some 5e dcc free um you can also get the print versions for free but you have to pay for shipping but i thought that was kind of cool so if you want to get the pdf and a print version of these to have like little modules you can i'll have to go check my game store today and see if they got any oh yeah that'd be kind of cool um and then uh Paizo news. What's going on in the world of Paizo? Wow. So I saw some cool tweets while I was sick that had me super excited and and really wanting to dive into um, Paizo stuff. One of the first ones, uh, oh, I'm not even in the notes. I did put a post out there about, hey, to Nexus, when is the character generator going to be ready for Pathfinder 2E? So that we have a D&D Beyond style 
fully integrated character generator for Pathfinder 2 mm-hmm. E because I was thinking that if they had that out, so many people would be ready just to flock over because still you still have to kind of go through the books and there's still there are some character generators out there, but they're just not as I think high quality as like a D and D Beyond, which I think helped propel Five E in in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. I've heard that the testing is going well. We're probably going to be seeing some of the stuff, and I know one of our fans is actually in the test, and it says that it looks pretty good so far. So I was like, I'm excited. I'm excited. So I can't wait till they have that out, and we can use a, a great character generator. But Starfinder Enhanced was announced in a tweet. And at first, my expectations went way over what, because <laughs> I was like, yes. So I've tried to play Starfinder in the past, and we played a game, and it's based off of their first edition rules, but also modified. So you may even be able to, I think I've heard people call it maybe a, like a 1.5 Pathfinder set of rules. So it has most of the 1E stuff, but it might have some changes mm-hmm. to it because it's Starfinder and it's you know futuristic and stuff. But I know that the community has been really hoping and waiting for, are we going to get Starfinder in the second edition rules? Because everybody's really been loving the second edition rules of Pathfinder. They're easier to learn. They're easier to teach to other people. They seem to be more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of bonuses and pluses to wanting to play 2E over 1E. And we've been waiting to see if Starfinder is going to make that move. So they said Starfinder enhanced. And I got excited. I thought we were going to get like Starfinder in the 2E mode but what they've clarified in their tweets were this is similar to when they did a pathfinder unchained which i had not heard of before which was an enhanced version of the 1e so almost like a 1.5 set of rules yeah they it kind of e. talked about it like they cleaned up the rules basically <clears throat> uh patched yeah. a couple things like that were you know this class wasn't working as intended in certain areas and so it's just kind of a, a cleanup which is a good thing but mm-hmm. I agree with you. I saw that and I was like, oh, oh, uh, you know, uh, like you're kind of have a mix of emotions all at once. You're like, well, yeah. it's not bad, but it's not exactly what I thought it would be. So, yeah. So we'll have to wait to see what we actually get. Maybe they're doing enough editing and cleaning up that when you do read these enhanced rules, it is fun to play. Mm-hmm. It's not as hard to teach somebody else. It's easy to jump in. We when we tried to play it, it was a little rough for our group to play. And we're, you know, we've been playing 5e and 3.5 and all these other games. And even then it was still a little rough for us to kind of get our heads around it. So I'm hoping that maybe a cleanup will change that because the Starfinder universe is freaking awesome. Like Mm -hmm. there is so much good stuff. There's so much good artwork. There's so many things you can do. There's so many options for, for your characters and, equipment and adventure paths and there's so much there that if the rules would get out of the way of the game in some way and just streamline a little bit they could really super take off i think and and it probably has taken off i just you know that community i'm just now getting into so i don't quite know how big it is but um i'm excited for it i'm excited for an edited version a cleaned up version maybe like you said like a a patch you know think of it as a patch so we get some things fixed and and added it sounds like it's about eight months away it sounds like we will get quite a bit more information at paizo con they're gonna have mm-hmm. in may i think is when we're is gonna this gonna be that. kickstarted so, paizo con or... online no no they, it's just paizo is just putting their books out so they're they're not doing crowdfunding or kickstarting as far okay. as i know um and then the other thing i saw and thank uh jordan for finding the pronunciation for this the tian shaw uh, they just announced this, and this is their kind of caratour version. Yeah, you know, if, if we were to say realms. we were to compare it to something, this a a um, Asian focused, an Eastern yeah. philosophy focused, um, the, the, um, something ref- that has often a referred lot of those to as the Dragon culture. Empires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, that kind of cultural feel to it. They're not only going to put out one book for this because they've said a lot of people have been asking us when are we going to you know update this book for the for the current setting, and we know that cultural settings that are happening in other places that are not specifically medieval European, people are really trying to be a lot more careful how they represent that. So if you're going to do something that represents something similar to South America. You're going to handle that nowadays. You're going to handle that, you know, 
with lots of representation to make sure you're doing it right and you're not just building in tropes that are wrong or building in tropes that we don't want to perpetuate, right? And same if you were going to do something based on a very Africa-themed or something based on a, J a, J a Japan theme or a China-themed thing. So I did see some tweets from um, Asians Represents, who does the podcast and has worked on some D&D books for Wizards of the Coast. Apparently, that him and several of his community and of that community have been helping with these books, and they've been putting out really good vibes about these books are good, you know, there are people of representation working on these. They're going through and, and they're making it, you know, something that isn't just tropey or something that is harmful to the culture in some way. So I'm excited about they're not doing just one book. They're going to do two books, which sounds cool. You know, if you're if your audience is asking you for an a book, it's always better to give them two. You can't beat that. <laughs> so um, that is something we should be seeing. And I believe in 2024 um, are these books coming out, too. So a and then the other last thing I saw, they just talked about their new um, adventure path that's coming out for 2023, Seasons of Ghost Adventure Path. Nice. has to do with the seasons. So there's the first part is about winter, or I'm not sure which season it is, but there will be like a winter-based one, a spring-based one, a summer-based one, and a fall-based one. Um, and they're going to come out throughout the year. Sounds super cool and super fun. So there is a lot for Paizo fans to be excited about. And let me tell you, Dungeons and Dragons and other fans that are playing OSR or any of these other systems don't think you can't take some of these Paizo books and just incorporate them into your campaign and not get a lot of benefit and value. Just because it's a Pathfinder system doesn't mean you can't grab that book and grab some really cool ideas out of there and grab some really good artwork to show your, your players to come across some of the things. And there's lots of new races and lots of new classes. They are really expanding what a cool fantasy RPG looks like in uh, Pathfinder 2E stuff. It's super cool. So yeah don't sleep on it um not in our notes but i wanted to say the shadow dark rpg which is uh, a acquaintance of mine kelsey who is the arcane library she has a kickstarter out now it's getting a lot of attention last i looked it was at half a million so uh, oh. i think a lot of this i think she makes really good products but i also think a lot of this is um uh people looking for something that's not D D. And but D and D yeah. adjacent, you know, and this is mm -hmm. uh, exactly what uh, she's she's bringing to the table. So if you look for the Arcane Library, uh, she's got a Kickstarter out for um, Shadow Dark, which is her cool RPG. Um, so I'm gonna elephant in the room. I have a couple people asking me, have I kept up with my Dungeon Twenty Three? Uh, um, I was waiting for this, and I haven't uh, because February was. Probably the worst month I've had in a very long time. So right after the OGL stuff where we're all panicking, then my my water main broke, and our house didn't have water for a while. I had to fix all of that. And then uh, family health issues, and uh, I mean, just a, a work. And, uh, and so I, I have barely gotten videos out, uh, which is not a lot either. So uh, I... I think I will go back to it and kind of catch up to it. But um, if you've noticed that I haven't been making any Dungeon 23 stuff because it it just, yeah, life just hit hard. <laughs> so, and I assume the same for Lucian because yeah, he's my, been out as well. February is a black hole. <laughs> yeah. Nothing got done on level two of my dungeon. Level one is mostly done. I would love to still do some touch-up stuff to it and, and go back and do like an editing version towards the end of this yeah. year and, and go back to it. I haven't totally given up on it, but level two has not been touched. February is a black hole for Lucian. I'm going to try to get back on track in March. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't, I would say I haven't given up to on it, but um, the, the steam has definitely slowed down. So, yeah. <laughs> which is understandable. And I, I did tell myself when I started this, I said, Jordan, you have permission okay to fail. To fail it's okay to not be able to do this. And so when that happened, I said, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this. So, um, I love the idea yeah. though. And that's why I still want to keep with it. And oh, I yeah. think it's going to be really cool when me and Jordan get to talk about this in December at the end of the month of December, 2023 and look back and say, maybe we didn't get it all done and maybe we don't have 12 levels of a dungeon, but I bet we have but some a really cool elemental stuff dungeon tower thing. That's and still a, a lot cool to idea. talk about. Like, yeah. yeah. And a lot to talk about. So I'm still excited about the idea. Um, 
Ian Jordan news. Uh, my players are on the Purple Planet of Dungeon Call Classics. Um, Peril of the Purple Planet. They're level five. We haven't leveled up yet, but at level four, they heard that there was... Uh, they need a gem to get off of the planet. Like, it's almost like a battery. It's this spell gem. Um, and so they're looking for it, and they heard that there's one with the mother of the sandworms. And why they decided to do this, I don't know. But we had probably one of the most epic RPG nights I've ever had where um, like they came up with a plan that they thought might work and they got in there and everything went wrong. But ultimately the cleric said, well, can I cast paralyze like on top of the worm and rolled very, very successfully. So was able to paralyze this gigantic worm for um, like one six second round or something but that was enough for the fighter to climb up to the Turn head the pop up this gemstone <laughs> and then the elf cast a teleport spell and got them all out of there and i was just floored i was like i thought you were all gonna die like i gave you every chance to not get in there uh or to like escape because i was like this is a bad idea and they uh they pulled it off and it was really cool i think there will be ramifications i think these worms are going to come hunting for them because that just seems fun <laughs> but i was like what um and then uh i haven't played a lot of games actually because uh of all of the damage to my house and stuff like that and so we've been um trying to fix all of that but that was the last the last one we did was the epic Dutch Recall Classics Night, which I'm very excited to start playing again uh, next week. It'll be really cool. Um, cool. And then I've been like slowly working on little projects. I actually got excited about Modular D6 again for some reason. Um, I think it's because I got stuck on Tolve, which was my D12 system. And then I was like, oh, but if I did this... And then I got, you know, jump over there. And then randomly mm-hmm. I had somebody on Reddit contact me and say, hey, I really like your, your mime class for 5e that you and i was like i haven't thought about that in forever and they were like do you have an updated version and i was like i don't but now i'm kind of looking at it and i was like revising some wording and i was like this was kind of cool maybe i should like think about this again but uh but lucian i hear some epicness happened in the dungeon of the mad mage so i wanted to talk to you about that spoiler alert we should have a graphic but uh yeah dungeon of the mad mage we got to play we had been gone uh obviously for a couple of weeks i think even the week before I got sick, something else had happened, and I got sick, and then I had no power, and it was like, it was a whole thing. So it almost felt like we had been gone for a, a month, <laughs> it yeah. seemed like. And so we were trying to remember where we were, what we were doing, but we're we're fighting in a level that um, have uh, the Gith Yankee have um, kind of taken over, and some type of base is there, and they start fighting us, and we're killing them, and... We're going through and we come across a mind flare and it's just good stuff and shenanigans are happening. Definitely check it out on Danimal Down Under's uh, Twitch channel. I'm sure he keeps the VODs up there because it's super funny how the whole thing went out. But in all of that, we found a key on a, one of these uh, Gith Yankee and we find out after interrogating somebody that this is a key that lets us go to a star dock is what they called it. And when we heard that word, we're like, oh, yes, this is it. We're going to be spell jamming. I don't know if we are, but um, they described to us the Tears of Saloon. Mr. Forgotten Realms expert, you must know what the Tears of Saloon are. Yeah, it's uh, it's either the moon or it's like a comet that broke up in the atmosphere. So there's like little asteroids circling around. Yeah, Yeah. so he described it as, yeah, it follows Saloon across the moon itself across. And it has its own kind of kind of like a comet tail. But it sounds like there are chunks that are there Mm -hmm. and they look like the Tears of Saloon will bright spots and apparently this is will key will open a portal or a door to one of the tiers of saloon so That's we're going cool. into outer space who knows what's going to happen uh we were excited because we're like we're taking over the moon and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was super fun to find that we some of us kind of knew because it it always has been in some of the things you hear about playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage that there is a spell jammer tie-in 
you know, and, and some people have even heard, you know, there might be a helm somewhere. So we'd only heard those rumors. None of us had went through and read the adventure and played it before. So we don't know exactly what's there. We only know the rumors that kind of go around. And we didn't dive into it too much to try to figure out what those rumors were. But now we're like, oh, okay, this is like that first part and this is like that. So it's going to be an ex- exciting little side quest, I think, outside of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage to go do this thing or whatever we're going to do. Um, and actually, we're going to help uh, one get the Yankee against another get the Yankee. So I was feeling bad because I was like, we're fighting these get the Yankee. And to me, they're, they attacked us. So, you know, that's that's what happens. But it's like, but they're kind of the good guys because they're out there hunting, you know, the mind flayers. And yeah. if we take this group out, that means they can't hunt mind flayers. And that means the mind flayers grow stronger. And that's a bad thing. But, you know, it was like, so we're like, no, we don't want to do that. My my party plays a really good neutral party they're like ah they don't hurt us we don't hurt them so like Mm -hmm. you know if some evil total evil creature talks to them and says hey i don't want to fight you guys my party's like okay we don't want to fight you then as long you don't mess with us we won't mess with you and my character's like but no they're evil what are we doing (laughs) there's going to be a 20 year flashback scene of us not fighting this guy and it becomes the overlord of the world 20 years from now because we didn't defeat them now when we yeah. could have. And they're going to, you know, we're going to be to blame. And I'm like, no, we got to do something. So my character, which is the um, uh, arcade Your future Archer self cleric. will travel back in time with an eye patch yeah. and be like, <laughs> yes. Who's, you fool. You idiots. <laughs> <laughs> the world exactly. is destroyed. So, yeah. I came here and to we talk about it. that through the whole episode. So it's like a lot of fun, a lot of laughing. Even my wife said, you sounded like your old self playing last night. And I was like, oh, that's good, because it must have just meant that, you know, we we're having fun, and it was yeah. just a good, you know, good time. And um, so that's really cool. And I thought um, the other thing, that's about all I've got to play. So we got to play last night, and that was it. I'm looking forward to next week. Um, I didn't do too much else except a little bit of computer gaming. But even then, I was doing a lot of sleeping and resting and just getting through work. And then, you know, that was, I was doing a lot of reading actually books and stuff, which I always like, and you guys know I'm a lit RPG reader. So I'm reading all these books within the lit RPG genre. And I love all those, but one thing that popped out to me and I wanted to ask you about this, cause I know we have a little bit of time. Sure. What about the RPG Alice is missing? Have you yeah. this? I own it. I kickstarted it back in the day, and I have it. Mm-hmm. I, I have not backed the Kickstarter for the um, expansion, the expansions. because I haven't yeah. played it. Um, but ironically, the the people that I played Dungeon Crawl Classics with, they all played that with another friend before we started gaming. And they talk about yeah. it all the time, and they want to play it again. So I, I've been looking for a night where we kind of want to not just take a break from DCC and then play Alice is mm-hmm. missing together. Um, and they're, they're like, we kind of have to be in the right mindset because DCC is kind of beer and pretzels and we have a good time with it. But uh, Alice is missing is more like emotional, like focusing on the weirdness that it is, but it's all played through text messages at the table. It's kind of, it, it's really interesting and cool and they're turning it into a movie. I hear so. That is crazy. So I happened to see a YouTuber talk about it that does the tabletop games, and I'm trying to find that channel again. It's a popular channel. Where'd it go? I'll find it in a second. But he, they played uh, Alice is Missing, and he talks about it. And I hadn't, I'd seen the box on the shelf at the store, and I remember you talking about it mm-hmm. a little bit. But what, what I missed was this idea that the game is completely played through texts and chats. Yeah. You're it's not silent necessarily at the table. You're not to supposed to talk to each other, yeah. Yeah, and it's like this very emotional kind of game that can form around how um, there's these cards that have, you know, randomized certain events that are going to happen. You're creating the characters that you're playing and, and giving them personality. And he was like, he even mentioned like there was some hard hitting emotional. He said, no, no RPG I've ever played made him tear up and there was a part that they get to in this game one of the things happens and something's going on and now it's like he was like this really hit you know and he's like but then the next day when they look back on it it wasn't like it was they enjoyed that they did it and they enjoyed the thinking about that story again and it's like something that was just very 
and I, I think that's why I that from a lot of RPGs, yeah. right? I mean, we'll talk about the sessions and the cool things we did, but apparently this one is like a nice emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And I just like the idea that you're you're playing the characters and it's based on your kids or friends of this person that goes missing and you're communicating to each other kind of like you would right now, but you haven't got together. So you're trying to text and you're like Hey, hey, Jordan. You know, I haven't heard from Susie in yeah. like a week. Have you have seen you? Alice? You're like, I last you saw know, her so, with so and so. I just thought, wow, um, what a concept for. A and game. it's the idea. And one of the cool things, I, I love RPGs, and I love, uh, I love this one because it's doing a curated experience. You know, um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when you're, and a lot of people, I brought this up to some play, some tables, and they're like, that sounds boring, sitting at a table texting each other. Um, but when you really think about it, it's the idea that. If me and Lucian and we'll say Danimal and I don't know, uh, Drunk Yoda, <laughs> yeah, Yoda yep. like if the four of us are at a table and I ask Lucian about Alice, the other two don't know because it's a text message that goes directly to him. And you do have a group chat, uh, but it, it really limits the communication and, and allows you to solve the mystery in a new and interesting way. And I think that is the experience that a lot of people come away with where they're like, that was cool. Like it was different. So it's on my list to play. I just haven't found the time or the right people yet, you know? So. Yeah. I, I would love to see uh, what you think after you do play it or just getting to play something like this. This almost sounds like it'd be a cool, because it sounds like it can happen in a single session. It, it doesn't it's sound a like you have a bunch thing. of sessions. Yeah. And you can sounds replay it. Sounds like this could be it. a cool Gen Con thing. Yeah, we should play it at Gen Con for sure. You know? And it's a small box. Then, I can bring it. So, Yeah. But the one thing he did mention was is it is a game where they played it the one time and they feel like, okay, I don't want to try. I like the experience. I like the memories. I like how it worked and who my characters were. Playing it again didn't seem to make sense to them because they were like, this is how my Johnny was. And then to go and play with somebody else who plays Johnny differently wouldn't really, these are like little memories or a little story that's impacted us. And just to leave it as a nice little contained Mm. thing. And I thought that was interesting, like a one-off RPG. It was almost like not a one-off adventure, almost like the idea it's a one-off RPG, but he said he hadn't played the expansion yet. Um, And I just had wondered if, if you were going to kind of say that same thing, but I guess it would be a question for after you've tried it. Do you think you'd want to play it again? Do you think playing it with different people would From either what change yeah. your experience or do you want to keep the experience that you had, you know? Yeah. From what I've heard, um, it's it's hard to play. Like if I have my gaming group and I play Alice is Missing and then we play it again like a month later, mm-hmm. um, if it's all the same people, it's never going to really mesh well a second time. But the beauty of the game is like, you know, maybe we play it and it's my game and I'm kind of running it. But then Lucian's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. You borrow my game and you have a new group of people and you share it with them. And then you get this, you know, you have a very different second experience with the game, but mm-hmm. both are super valid and and, and have a, a place in your heart, you know, kind of a thing. So for lack of a better yeah. word, I guess. But the, the YouTube channel I saw it on, which I love these guys, Shut Up and Sit Down. They usually do a yeah. lot of board game stuff, British British group. But he's also been diving into a lot of RPGs lately. And he's, he's mentioned a couple that have been not on my radar that they've talked about and they've played. And I'm like, I'm right back onto your radar. What was really cool is he mentioned the next games they're playing are uh, Mass... A new generation. I'm like, yes, that's my game. That's my jam. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see him play that. So I'll, I'll good. send you the link, but you need to watch their review of Spire: The City Must Fall. RPG. That's the one. I'm, yeah, I did watch yeah. It. it. Yeah, it made me want to play it. Yeah, that's a really. <laughs> it cool made one. me want to play it a lot, and I like the, even the title of their video. If you look it up, it's the first game to make Quinn's cry. Alice's missing <laughs> review. So he does a great job. He does a really good job of not spoiling it. I mean, I guess it's a spoiler, but it's in the title. Alice is missing. It's an RPG yeah. about someone. Alice is the missing. character nobody gets to play because she's missing. Yeah. So. so if you go into it like that, it's a different experience. It sounds to me, it almost sounds like a. It's adjacent to RPGing, but it's adjacent in like a escape room 
yeah. adventure is adjacent to doing things. And this feels kind of like it's an escape room experience. And I've had some really good fun with friends that went into an escape room and learned the story and unlocked the things and found the clues and got the key to the door and got out. And we'll talk about it every now and then. This feels something like that to me, like a, a really cool experience you can have with a group maybe a one-off maybe not maybe you can find ways to make it go but it's just something you'll talk about later you'll be sitting around drinks and you'll be like remember that time we did played this and this person did that and how'd this even happen you know it was like it just feels like something not to miss out on yeah. so if you see it on the store shelves grab it and pick it up i have seen it at my my game store so i know it's out there yeah so and they do have expansion and a new kickstarter or backer the the kickstarter is for an expansion i don't know if it's still going on but i'm sure you'll be able to purchase it afterwards so uh it's yeah. probably just like a continuation or a second story using the same mechanics so yeah see makes sense so yeah all right well that's our show ladies and gentlemen do a show. um we're really excited to be here uh boy so next week uh Two people from Goodman Games want to uh, Chris Doyle and ooh, I forget the other person's Michael Curtis. I think they want to come on. Uh, they will be coming on um, to talk about uh, Dungeon Denizens, which is their fifth edition and uh, a DCC version monster. Five hundred monsters. So we're going to talk about monsters next week. So come hang out with me and Lucian and uh, Goodman Games peeps, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Kickstarters and cool monsters. Spoiler, I submitted a monster for Dungeon Denizens. And oh, as far as I know, it's in the book, and I'm very excited. So we'll talk about Did that Did you tomorrow. say Chris Doyle, who says right on my Temple of Elemental Evil conversion yep. from Good he worked Games. on that. Chris Doyle? Yep. Oh, my God. We get to talk to Chris Doyle. Yep. So he's good. been working so on uh, all the – he's part of the 5e – I think he's head of the 5e group um, for Goodman Games. So that'll be really fun. They're really excited to talk to us, uh, and yeah. And I'm I'm working on, I want them to give me some Dungeon Crawl classic monsters to put on my second channel so I can make some. <laughs> but they're they're really like, well, we kind of like we want to really focus on the five E version. I'm like, yeah, but hey, I'm excited I'm for a Dungeon Crawl <laughs> classics monster manual. So, um, but we'll be back next week, uh, pending an apocalypse. Uh, and until then, everybody, you stay never cool, know. <laughs> roll some dice, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.